I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. The Boston Church of Christ recently had an Easter worship service in which a thousand guests visited. Now, this is impressive for a church of 2,200 members, but what makes it really remarkable is that an estimated 600 of those were not invited directly by disciples. Instead, they found out about it from a social media outreach effort spearheaded by Stuart Maines. He and his wife, Ashley, lead the downtown ministry of the Boston Church. Listen today as he talks about how over the past few years he's tinkered, experimented, and built an online platform to bring seekers into God's church. He shares practically and specifically how you can be effective reaching the lost through social media. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. There are two things I want to let you know about. First of all, thanks for signing up for the CLIMB Conference. That's November 30th through December 3rd, 2023 in Dallas, Texas. We already have nearly 100 people registered, and that's nearly as many as came to the first conference that we ever hosted. We're praying that this year we'll have over 300 or more people in attendance. And so you can register at robskinner.com if you haven't already. Secondly, I've talked about this before, but my dream is to plant 10 or more churches by 2030. My next mission target is Saurita Green Valley in southeastern Arizona. Saurita is one of the top five fastest growing cities in Arizona. And I'm looking for team members and a church leader to plant that church in the fall of 2023. We're looking for families with kids, empty nesters, and retirees to plant this beautiful area of Arizona. If you're looking to preach the word while raising your family, or you want to retire with a purpose, or you simply want to go on a mission team, contact me at rob at robskinner.com. That's rob at robskinner.com. Stuart, welcome to the program. Hi, how you doing? It's great to it's great to talk to you. You know, you you left the West Coast and now you're on the East Coast, so far away. So I'm glad that we can get a chance to talk together. That's right. So am I. You know, re- recently, Stuart, I I got a phone call from uh, Bruce Williams, who disciples me, and that's your father-in-law. And he said, "Hey, bro, have you heard what happened in Boston over Easter?" And I said, "No, I don't. What what's going on?" And he said, "They had like a thousand guests at East at the Easter service." And so I think Boston has. From what I remember, Kevin saying about twenty two hundred members last last time I checked. So to have like a thousand guests is blow away. Yep. And what Bruce shared is that uh, a lot of those were from social media, and and so he said you might want to give Stewart a call. And I go absolutely, I want definitely want to talk to Stewart. And so I was super super pumped to hear that good news. Um, so anyway, so Stuart, great, just great to have you on the program. I mean, I was, I'm like, I, I want to learn what you're doing so I can implement it in the church here in Tucson. Absolutely. 
No, thank you for having me on. You know, it's been a very inspiring time seeing what God's done in Boston. And uh, it's really been in a short period of time. I think in the last uh, about nine months, we've uh, got a deliberate vision in the Boston church uh, to really capture the next generation. And so uh, part of that is our 2030 vision uh, is to have 300 visitors every week come out to church from online outreach alone. And wow. uh, our, our 2030 vision is to hear his voice, proclaim his name, and write the future. And uh, there's there's no way to do that if we're not connecting to people online. Uh, this is where people are uh, spending the majority of their days, and uh, many of them spending the majority of their work day. And so we've got to be online reaching the next generation if we're going to write the future with God here in, in the city of Boston. So very excited by what God's doing and uh, what he has in store for us in the future. That is awesome. Well, let's take it back a little bit. How'd you become a Christian? Yeah, so I grew up in the church. Uh, I'm a kingdom kid. Uh, I uh, bounced around as a very young boy. And my parents were in the ministry around the Midwest. And uh, so I uh, was born in Cincinnati, moved to Chicago when I was six weeks old, uh, lived in a walk-in closet in Chicago there with my parents, <laughs> and uh, then Wisconsin, Minneapolis, back to Chicago, and eventually came to Southern California in third grade and spent the next, almost uh, in totality, the next 25 years. I had a little stint during college that I went out to Florida, but the majority of my time was spent in Southern California. And uh, I have been in like four or five of the Los Angeles regions. And uh, at 12 years old, uh, the extreme teens is what they called it. The teen ministry back in that time uh, was hopping. Uh, it was a very exciting time to be in the teen ministry. We were taking over some of Los Angeles's biggest venues with our youth rallies and things. And uh, I said, you know, I, I, I want to be a part of what God's doing. I want to be a part of the movement. And uh, I see youth revival all around me. How do I sign up? Mm. And uh, so I studied the Bible studied the Bible for nine months. And uh, in those nine months, they did seven, I believe seven or eight pride studies with me. Uh, and it was uh, pride uh, with your parents, pride, then it got more individualized, pride with your mother, pride with your father, pride with your sister, pride uh, in all these areas. Uh, but eventually, uh, after many pride studies and uh, <laughs> dealing with my heart, October 1st, 2000, I was baptized into Christ uh, in the Manhattan Beach Ocean there and uh, have never looked back since. I know that um, for many of the listeners uh, or for those that have grown up in the church, uh, getting baptized that young or in the teen ministry can cause questions or give pause on was it legit? And my mother would always say, if you ever have questions about your salvation, come and ask me, were you a changed boy? Were you a changed man? Because you were a radically changed person uh, from before Christ to after getting baptized. So uh, yeah, I was converted there in 2000 and uh, part of the team ministry. And uh, it actually, uh, it, it was a very, very fun and exciting time there for many, many years. So that was pretty awesome. That's great. Well, how'd you meet Ashley? Yeah, you know, I, I met Ashley, uh, like I said, I got converted at 13 and uh, went to teen camp. 
that was the first time I met Ashley uh, is uh, we didn't have much of a friendship. Our friend groups in the team ministry, we were different areas of LA. They didn't really cross paths. And so uh, I met her for the first time at 13 years old. Uh, but when everything happened in the church and uh, our team ministry started to dwindle a couple of years later, um, I, I came up to Ashley in a party uh, that was put on by a couple of the parents to help the teens connect with other uh, people in the church. And uh, I came up to her. And I said, listen, all of my friends uh, have decided to walk away from God. And I know that you don't have many friends uh, either because they've all kind of decided to either move away or they decided to walk away. Mm. And we're like the only seniors left. And uh, would you get coffee with me once a week? just because I need a friend. Uh, we actually were interested in other people at the time. This was purely platonic, how it started. And I would drive down. I had early release on Wednesdays from my high school. I'd drive down about an hour uh, each way to get coffee and talk and pray and kind of commiserate about how much life had changed over the last couple of years wow. in that 2003, 2004, 2005 time. And uh, it forged a deep friendship. So that was fall of my senior year. And by spring, uh, our relationship had budded there. And uh, we started dating right before we graduated high school in May of our, uh, of our senior year. And uh, so we, we dated for four years uh, through the campus ministry. And, uh, and then we got married June 27th in 2009. Uh, we were both still finishing up college. I, I, looking back, I got married at 21. She was 22. I cannot believe that they let us get married that young. <laughs> as I see 21 and 22 year olds, I, I'm amazed, but amen. The Lord provided and uh, we were eating, as Dave Ramsey says, beans and rice and surviving on just love and faith. Oh, that's uh, awesome. But yeah, that was a, a wild time, but that that's a little bit about our story. Oh, that's great. I tell people, you know, you can be you can be poor and single or poor and married. I'd prefer to be poor and married. So uh, I go. think it's, I think it's great. Okay. That's so it. how, how old are you? I'm 35. Um, and uh, Ashley and, and I have been married for 14 years and uh, we have four children. Um, our oldest is L she's nine. Uh, then Caden is seven years old. Uh, then Savannah is four, and uh, she is uh, our, our miracle child. She had a lot of health challenges, and uh, right at the at her birth, uh, with her kidneys, and uh, we did not know what life was going to be like for her with her. Um, we uh, were in the hospital for about sixty uh, days uh, of her first seventy days of life, and uh, so there was a lot of in and out of doctor's appointments, but she's doing great now. And then we have our oops baby who we love <laughs> uh, with all our hearts. We call him the mayor of Boston because he is the most friendly little boy. He's one-year-old Kevin. And uh, we found out uh, about two weeks after moving to Boston that we were pregnant. And so that's why I say he was my oops baby. We did not plan on that, but that rounded off our family there with four kids and I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh but, my uh, gosh. Yeah, it's a wild, loud bunch in our house. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. I mean, you guys started early and just kept on going. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Some oopses along the way. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. That's great. Well, how did you end up in Boston? Yeah, so I, I served in the ministry. I was thinking back. I went into the ministry when I was uh, 20 years old um, in the Orange County region of the L.A. Church and uh, served there for about 12 and a half, 13 years in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, there was a tremendous amount of things that were going on simultaneously. Um, there was, uh, some difficult things going on in the church. Um, there was challenging things. One of my, uh, best friends and mentors, uh, moved away right in the middle of things going on. Like I shared with Savannah and her health challenges. Um, and then COVID hit. And, um, and so it was kind of a, a perfect storm scenario of, uh, God revealing a lot of things to Ashley and I, and um, it becoming obvious that we felt like we, we needed a change mm. and uh, we needed for our own soul's sake, we needed a change. We felt like the church uh, that we were leading at the time would have been better served with a more mature uh, couple than us. Um, this was our first time leading a church and the church was going through a lot of stuff. And so the idea of uh, us getting healing and the church being able to move on with a more mature couple felt like the right decision. And so we moved to Boston, September of 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Wow. And uh, it was definitely, um, we, we came in uh, even sharing with Boston, just saying we, we're not in a great spot. Uh, we, we love God. We uh, love each other. We want to do ministry, but this has been a, a challenging couple of years mm. with grief and with health challenges and, and just battling. I think all that, that uh, was going on in the world had war on us. And so we came in sharing with the Boston church. We think that we're going to be able to serve and do great things here in the next six months or a year, but we need some healing time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they brought us in to the Northeast region, the Boston church. Uh, we were partnered with Jimmy and Maria Rogers, who uh, couldn't have been better for us and what we needed at the time. And, uh, and so we served alongside them as a wild time. We moved into the church, never having met the church outside of zoom. And then 10 months later, Ashley and I were asked to come and lead the downtown region of the Boston church. And so we ended up moving into the Northeast region. Uh, and then 10 months later, having never met people in person because of COVID moving to the downtown region. And so just in the last couple of months, I, I spoke for the first time in the Northeast region in person. And uh, it was a kind of a surreal experience because I had a lot of people come up to me saying, man, your messages through COVID really moved me or helped me. And I, I didn't know any of these people. Um, or I'd meet people that I had seen on Zoom for Zoom midweeks. It's like, man, you're you're shorter than I, than I thought, or you're taller than I thought, just because I only knew them as this little box in mm -hmm. Zoom. Um, but it was uh, it was cool being able to meet people. But that's kind of a little bit of how we got here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now we've landed in the downtown region. We've been here for the last, uh, we're coming up in June on two years, and uh, which is a, a, a kind of a, a unique region of the Boston church. Uh, it's made up by about, a third uh, is campus students, 
Um, another third uh, to even maybe a little bit more than that is young professionals, which is young marriage without children and singles. And then uh, we have uh, our family's ministry, which makes up another uh, about third of the church. And so uh, it's a very young uh, ministry that has been a tremendous amount of fun to lead. And, uh, you know, youth comes with unique benefits and challenges, uh, but it's been <laughs> a blast to be able to lead the group. I've heard good things about it. I heard there's a lot of energy there, a, a real mission-mindedness. I hear good reports yes. coming from Boston, and that's exciting. Yeah. Now, I also know Kevin Miller is involved there. How does that work with him being involved in campus ministry and you also being involved in that same ministry? What What's going on yeah. there? Well, I'll start off by saying, I mean, Kevin is one of my best friends in the whole world. I mean, we, <laughs> we, we often talk about how wild it is how close we are with how short of a period of time that we've actually been leading together or connected in this way of being on the same coast and leading in the same church um but he so this is his former region he led this region before leading the boston church um so he is uh my campus minister and he is my teen minister and my discipler and my lead evangelist. Um, and, uh, and so uh, you would say, how does that work? And I would say the first year we would both agree there were some growing pains of trying to figure it out. I think the relationship honestly was uh, what made it so much fun as we were figuring it out. But uh, I lead the, the professionals group and the families ministry. And, uh, and he has uh, we have a very small team ministry that's made up of mostly his children that are in the team ministry. And so that's why he's invested in the team ministry so much. Um, and, uh, and then he disciples, trains, and leads the campus ministry as his main ministry focus as lead evangelist. Um, and so he has given me uh, full reign to run the region and uh, in the way that I see fit. And uh, it's been a real joy partnering, learning from him. Uh, but no, it, it hasn't been, it has not been uh, easy trying to figure out what does it look like, mm -hmm. but I think we've really figured out the rhythm. It took us about a year, yeah. and after we figured out the rhythm, it's it's become just a total joy. It, it uh, reminds me of my son, James. He, he works in a, a defense contractor, and he's got this leadership structure called a, I, I think it's called a matrix system or something. He's got bosses all over the place. It's like multiple yes. bosses. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm sure that takes a lot of people skills and social skills. And, but anyway, that's, that sounds awesome. Now yeah, let's get, been fun. let's get back to what brought this call originally. And yep. I heard you had a thousand guests at church on Sunday of Easter yep. and that around 600 were from social media. Okay. What was that like? What was that uh, service it, like? Oh, it, I mean, it was amazing. Now this is, a thousand over the 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 church, the the Boston Church of Christ. So we, you know, our normal attendance is sitting around two thousand. Um, we were at around thirty two hundred uh, for that service, um, and so many of our regions, uh, you know, so, some had more come out, some had less, but many of our regions were uh, having hundred to 150 plus visitors to their service of a group of, you know, uh, 180 to 300 is kind of the size of our regions. So uh, to have an influx 
I know one of our ministries that Larry Reed leads, uh, his group is just under 300. They had uh, over 500 in attendance wow. uh, at their service. Um, my group is around 300, and uh, we had about 450 in attendance, um, 460. So it, it was definitely spread out across the regions, but it was a wild thing. And honestly, that's something that even we can talk about a little bit more, but I think that our church by nature in, in Boston um, has, it's one of the oldest churches in the movement, and it has done things uh, one way for a long time. And our natural structure is we bring out friends, and I do think that that's one of the hallmarks of the Boston church is we have an evangelistic spirit of we talk to people about coming out to God. But when you are having that many people come from online and they are walking in and they have no connection, no relationship connection, uh, it has been jarring in a great way, but to our church of, wow, I mean, we're getting hundreds of visitors, over a thousand visitors coming that have no ligament or attachment relationally. <laughs> and so how do we harness these people? How right. do we connect with them? Right. How do right. we make sure they don't fall through the cracks? Right. Um, so I, it's been a wild time in Boston because on one hand, it's been very inspiring. On the other hand, it's been a, oh boy, we are not set up to receive all of these people because our natural ways of following up with the person that brought them out doesn't work anymore. And so we're doing a lot of midweek lessons and training on how to equip the saints for this kind of work of service, right? Of evangelizing within the four walls of church uh, and being able to have a mindset of, no, don't assume that person that you don't recognize has somebody that they're connected to. Right. Talk to them, right. reach out to them, and be able to make a connection. Okay, so, okay, I, I, that leads on to a bunch of other questions there, but why, I mean, what triggered this? Why did you get so serious about social media? I mean, that's that's not the traditional path, just right. like you shared. I mean, the traditional path is a um, pass out an invitation card or talk to someone directly and, and bring them along, bring your friends to church, bring your neighbors. Why totally. did you get serious about social media? So during COVID, um, you know, ministry was kind of a wild thing because there was one way that we operated in ministry um, and that's very relational, very face-to-face. -face. Um, you, uh, work through meetings of the body and connecting with people. And, uh, then that all got pulled away from us. And so during COVID, I started to try and learn, uh, social media algorithms and learn what works and what grows accounts. And, uh, so, uh, I started, uh, this is a little known fact uh, about me. I, I really like interior design and uh, <laughs> I think that that's cool. And uh, so I started a social media Instagram account uh, at the time it was called Design Your Spaces. And uh, I did it sheerly as, can I grow an account that doesn't use my friends and my church base uh, or my connections through the church can I grow something? And, uh, and so I started to learn. I researched a tremendous amount and uh, what works, what doesn't work. And, and over nine months, I grew that account to 168,000 followers. What? And oh my it, it gosh. Was, it was a wild thing. And um, 
And so kind of learned how to do this, how to grow these accounts. Um, now, obviously, a church and the aim of a church is different than just, hey, I really like that image. And I think that's a cool design inspo for my house. Um, but nonetheless, it was, okay, how do the algorithms work? And how do I help to uh, cause this to, you know, have an effect later on in the church? And so that was you know, 2020 is when I really started throwing myself headfirst into trying to learn that stuff. After getting, you know, uh, pretty proficient in, in how these things work, how these mechanisms work, started to learn TikTok as well. Um, we moved in the middle of me learning that. And, uh, and so in coming into to Boston, I kind of honestly put that to, to bed for a, a bit and just was going to counseling, was working on ourselves, as I shared, um, was getting some great uh, counseling and, and mentorship from Jimmy and Maria Rogers. And so I had kind of a, I knew this is something that I wanted to get back into, um, but it was a, a little bit of a hiatus uh, for a couple of years. And then the opportunity, as we were talking about building this vision for 2030, um, one of the pieces of this was we have got to have a vibrant, exciting, uh, useful social media presence that brings out visitors and uh, that causes people to want to come to the church. And I said, okay, I, I know, I think I know how to do that. Secretly, I knew how to grow an account, but I didn't know how to get people to come to a, an event, you know, but I knew some of the ways that the algorithm worked and thought I could translate it. And so we um, started this work started laying the groundwork for this in September of last year. Um, but the real push has only started since January. So um, this, you know, if you do it right and uh, you know what you're doing, it doesn't have to take like years and years and years and years and years to get this done. Um, this can happen in, in quick order. So how, can you talk a little bit about the genesis? You, you'd already put some work into it. You're doing the groundwork. Was there a particular meeting when Kevin said, hey, I need someone to give this a shot? Or did you put yourself forward and say, hey, I got some ideas? What? How did it start? Yeah, I mean, so Kevin and I had had some conversations uh, where I let him know some of the things that and experiences that I had had and the capabilities that I that I had with social media. So he knew as he was building a vision team that later on in 2022 cast the vision to the entire Boston church that he wanted me to be a part of it. And he wanted the communications team is what we call our, our media team uh, to be heavily involved. And so we, um, we started a communications team right at the beginning of COVID, even before I got here. Um, but it was uh, not incredibly well-funded, um, and it was a little bit trying to kind of find its place. And so the conversations that were happening last year were much more, how do we staff this correctly? Um, who are the right people to have on the right seats here on the boat? And how, what, what's going to be our strategy? What's going to be our aim? And, and then last but not least, what's the funding necessary to make this happen? And so uh, birthed out of that vision, uh, we hired in September a man named Nick Petrie, uh, who was on staff uh, in the Boston Church for many years doing campus ministry, and um, but has real skills for video editing, web design, and graphic design. So we uh, hired him on in September, 
And uh, he is a make it happen dude. I mean, he's pretty amazing at what he can get done, how quickly he can get it done too, and excellently. But so he was a part of the team. And then we have Mari Somamora, who is a part of the team as well. Um, she partners with me with social media. She's pretty, she has an eye, especially for the Gen Z look and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and then Mervy Babaloa, uh, who is uh, both Mari and Mervy are on staff in the campus ministry. That's their full-time job, but they dedicate um, uh, for uh, for their paycheck. They dedicate 10 hours uh, a week to this, but everyone knows they don't dedicate just 10 hours. Um, they, they really, in some ways, this is a little bit of a, another full-time job for them. Right. Um, and so we created this team. And, uh, and then we started down the road of, of trying to strategize and figure out what we're going to do. Okay. Let's, let's get real. Okay. We've had websites for probably 15 years, easy yep. in churches. We've had stabs at social media. Um, you know, if you, if you really get honest, there's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of like, you know, I've done that. I've got a website. I've got an advertisement for the Easter service in night. 2019 that's still posted on my website. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not great. There's been attempts at, Hey, well, let's try to reach out through social media. People don't come. It yep. doesn't seem to be working or else they can't track it. How did you overcome that kind of, uh, let's say faithlessness or else a cynicism regarding social media? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that our aim has been really laser focused on our goal is not to have a bigger account. Our, our goal is not to um, keep everybody on like an online church. Uh, our number one undoubted goal is we want visitors to come to our in-person services to our Bible studies and to our small groups. And we are very unapologetic about um, that is our number one aim. And I think that what, I, what I've seen across our movement, what I've seen across the church, is that a lot of the things that we do uh, like social media or that we do like website is we're supposed to have a website, right? So let's do the website. But it doesn't have a focused aim. The, the aim of the website is to just have like a land, like a like a flag in the in the sand. Like we are here and we're legit. Um, <laughs> and so look at us. We have a website. Go follow us at bostonchurch.org. You know, and and look, my face is there. I'm a legit minister. See, um, that that's kind of it feels like what has been the aim or social media. Oh, what we got to do is we got to start an Instagram page. Um, and then we're going to post just random scriptures on the page and consistency is key, right? So let's just post one day, you know, one post every day of a random scripture. Um, and let's see what God brings and nothing happens. And then we're like, this doesn't work, but there, there has to be a strategy for what's the purpose of all the things you're doing. Mm. Um, and, and it doesn't mean that you have to have the full understanding as the minister of what this strategy is or how to accomplish it or execute, but you need to get the right people that understand social media strategy and online, uh, you know, strategies to get people to come indoors because that is, uh, as a church, 
that's what we're looking to do. Um, and so I think that that's probably the biggest miss that I was noticing in our strategy. And so what we started to do is we, um, we shifted our focus on social media to be completely externally focused. So nothing that we're posting is to notify members of things that are going on. So we are not trying to uh, be a, um, a yearbook. Uh, we're not trying to document events. Uh, we are not trying to uh, and make announcements be the main focus of what we're doing. Um, you may say, hey, aren't announcements externally focused? Oftentimes they're not, even the verbiage and how we do announcements in our church, the way we do announcement post, it feels much more internally focused than externally. And so our aim was we're going to be completely external. And what what is our strategy? What is our aim? Well, the majority of people that we're going to reach on Instagram are going to be under 30 years old. Um, and even more specifically than that, if you are aiming to hit an 18 to 24 year old person, then someone who is 26, 27, 28 is still going to think a lot of that is cool. And so our real focused energy is spent on what does an 18 to 24 year old think is cool? And even if a 30 year old sees that, um, a 35, a 40 year old, they go, that's a young church. And I want to be a part of something that has young people in it. And so we're not trying to hit a wide demographic. We're trying to hit a very narrow demographic. Um, and uh, we are the church. If you were to go to our page right now, you would see our church is not trying to hit a lot of uh, targets. We're fun. We have a lot of fun. We are a little wild. We love to worship God. Jesus is a focus of ours, and we want to see baptisms like crazy. Um, and that's about what you'll know about us if you go to our Instagram page. <laughs> we are a lot of fun. We get a little wild sometimes. We love worshiping God, and we want to baptize people. And that's pretty much what we we put on our page is fun, fun, fun. And as the people start to watch our stuff or see what we're about, the amount of posts that come to us, I want to be a part of that. Where is that service or where, where is that happening? <laughs> um, would probably, it would shock a lot of people. Um, we're not having talking head posts of, uh, or, or not a lot of them saying, hi, my name is so-and-so and come and visit our church. That's boring. And that's not incredibly interesting, but if I can show you, Hey, I've got 45 college students hopping around in a, in a circle saying, get up out of that grave and singing this Maverick city song. Then I, I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of a church that's juiced like that. And so that's been our, our strategy when it comes to Instagram is do you want to experience what we're experiencing? And do you want to have fun with us in worshiping God and learning more about God and seeing lives changed? Um, and who doesn't want that? And so that's been that's been the aim. Um, I can get down to much more specifics of strategies when it comes to um, actual, you know, things that we're doing, and even I can put some some uh, a PDF together of some things that we've been doing. But at a very thirty thousand foot view, that's our our social media focus. Okay, whether it's on TikTok, Su super or on helpful. Instagram. So, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying there. Like, 
I feel the response, but I think everyone feels like, hey, you got to have a website and you have to have some type of a social media presence. I mean, I'm sure some people don't feel the same way, but but oftentimes the goal is, do we have it, period. Okay, we have it. That's good enough. And oh. then what I hear you saying is that there's a a very narrow focus. Your avatar, your person you're targeting is between 18 and 24, yep. and everything is revolved around attracting that person to, to come to a live service. That's awesome. Now what it makes, what, what I find paradoxical is that Boston is one of the oldest churches in our family of churches. I mean, if you really show a live service, there's going to be a lot of gray hairs there in the, in the worship service. So one, was there a lot of blowback from the older members? And two, how do you overcome the kind of, um, not making people feel catfished. Yeah, exactly. The bait and switch fear there that, okay, they show up and you've got people in their fifties and sixties. Right. No, I mean, I, I think that what we, what we've noticed and I think a strategy that's being, being implored in a, in Boston and has been for the last couple of years is that we are one of the oldest churches, even as we did our vision Sunday uh, last year, that was one of the hard truths that we talked about is that we must get younger. I, I forgot the statistic off the top of my head, but somewhere around 70% of our church is 35 years old and older, right? Um, and a huge number of that is empty nesters. And if we don't get younger, we will be obsolete in the next 20, 30, 40 years. And so we have to have a focus uh, of getting younger. Um, what we've done, though, is we have started to hire uh, the next gen region leaders across the church. Um, and so in every one of our regions, we have either a next generation region leader that's currently leading or one that's in place that's poised to be able to take over the region in the next couple of years. Um, and so who they're seeing up front, the majority of the time is actually younger members of the church. Um, and so even if the audience is a uh, more mature group, when people are coming in, if they're listening to younger people present, which they are in the majority of our services, almost all of our services, that is a main focus. Get young people up front helping with worship, because that's obviously going to change the tone. Get young people doing the welcome and, and the different facets of the service. They don't feel the same level of bait and switch. And the way that we shoot these things, you know, when it comes to some of the, the, the filming and stuff, it's at a retreat or it's at right. a, a church concert that we're right. putting on. And so it's a very easy explanation of, yeah, yeah, this this was a compilation of a lot of our members from across right. the, the region or whatever. And that that has actually not really come up. I've been surprised that it's not come up because they are members of our church. They just not, not, may not be in the location <laughs> you attend. Um, but it's not in across Boston. It's not like if you go to one of our services uh, that it's it's not just a, a geriatric church. Right, uh, right. You know, we we have all generations in each one of these regions. So it's not hard to see. Oh, yeah. yeah OK, that person, that group is 15, 20 person campus ministry. Well, that's still critical mass there. There there's still some young people there. Um, and and the, the truth of the matter, bro, honestly, the craziest thing to me is the people that are coming to us, they just want the truth. And I think this is like such a basic, I, I had like two or three sisters uh, or two sisters and a brother stop me at midweek yesterday as we were talking. I did a midweek lesson 
about some of the same stuff we're talking about today. And the amount of people that are coming that are critical of what we're doing or the pr production value is not high enough or that is not what we're getting. People that are coming to church that got out of their house, got dressed, came to church at 10 a.m. from an Instagram ad, they're coming to church because they are seeking God in a big way. So I have many, many people, not one, every Sunday in the last, you know, three months as we've been doing this, they'll approach me every Sunday, different people. Hey, I want to, I want to get baptized. Can you help me get baptized? Wow. And so we've been seeing consistent conversions now from Instagram and TikTok because they're seeking, right? They're, they're not looking at the church almost in the same way that we can look at the church with right. a critical eye, or we don't have enough. They're like, wow, this right. actually exists. Wow. And, and so we have a little benefit because Boston is older and church in Boston, most of the time means Catholic church. And, um, and so we are unique in our, in, in our kind of part of the world. We are such a different brand of Christianity than what they grew up with that it is like a water in the desert, uh, you know, kind of situation where you go, man, I, I need this. Um, but yeah, if you, if you're in a church right now where you go, I don't know if we have all these young people to make it look super attractive, <laughs> get the young people that you do and just recognize that the people that are going to show up there, they're not critical of your church. They're not, they don't have nearly the same criticisms that even maybe you do. They just want to know about Jesus. Okay. That's, that's fantastic. So how do you train people in your church to look out for these people? Like, how do you capture the people that are attracted to the church through social media? Yeah, we, we've done a lot of training and we're actually going around. The comms team is going to every single region's uh, leadership teams and their, their version of uh, production team or welcoming team or those kind of things. And we've been doing kind of these comms huddles, what we've been, what we've been calling them, to help equip each one of these regions for the amount of people that are coming from social media. Basically, what we are doing is we're doing midweek lessons with our church saying it's time to evangelize. I stole this from Tony uh, Fernandez. It's time to evangelize within the four walls. And uh, the work that Tony was doing in Broward was totally inspiring to me uh, many years ago, and him and I have become really close friends. Uh, but he coined the phrase evangelism within the four walls. You know, the idea of come ready to evangelize when you come to church. And uh, and so we've been going through uh, each month, every two months, we've been doing a midweek lesson on what that looks like and how to do that. And I just preached a, a sermon out of 1 Thessalonians 2, talking about we're not trying to trick people, uh, we're not trying to flatter people, uh, but we're trying to show them our lives and engage with them and connect with them. And um, just the the amount of training, I think has been surprising, but that's what we've been doing. Midweek lessons on evangelizing within the four walls. Then the the harnessing or capturing the visitors once they're there. Um, we use a program called JotForm. Uh, it's, uh, you could use like a Google Forms, um, but it's basically a quick and easy way for an online connect card. And so at the end of our service, I put out response cards. I, got, I think I got some right here. Um, I put out response cards. This is on every seat. Thank you for joining uh, us today. And uh, then on the back, it has, you know, some information that we can get from them to be able to reach out to them. I put these 
response cards on car on the seats every single week, even though the majority of people fill out the response card online with a QR code on the screen. But it just prompts people to know a response is coming. And then in our close, we spend a minute explaining the programs we have. And then we take another minute to pause to say, why doesn't everybody fill out, even if you're a member of the church, fill out a response card and fill in the prayer request portion there. And we'll pray for you on Monday. Um, but we want everyone to respond to what God has stirred in your heart today. And getting our members to fill it out makes the visitors not feel embarrassed to fill right. it out. And then we're able to capture. So it's uh, through the in-person uh, online jot form response card, or it's the written handwritten response card. But we do that every single week um, in the close. Um, we don't have a Sunday where we don't have it because we're having so many people that we'd miss them if we don't do something like that. Okay. So give me the next step. So you get these cards, you get hard copies, plus mm-hmm. people are registering through jot online. on the online. Yeah. Who follows up? How do you follow up? How are you reaching out to those people? Yep. So each region, this is part of what we're developing, even in our comms huddles. But what we do in our region, uh, I have uh, some people that are willing to serve to fill out a Google um, doc there that puts all the information into a nice and tidy spreadsheet. Um, And we use that information uh, then to either pray. We're not lying to people. We do pray uh, their prayer requests if they say it. Um, or send it out to the family group leaders of this person lives in your area and will you reach out to them? And uh, so that's what we've been doing uh, with the response cards. It's a very similar method. The jot form does it for you. It's easier when they fill it out that way because it's already created in the spreadsheet. And then the minister sends out to the family group leaders and he knows the amount of studies that are going on in each group and who could kind of benefit from you know, geographically being close by, uh, as well as being able to handle another study. Um, but that's kind of how we do it is we put it into a spreadsheet. The minister then disseminates the information to the family group leaders and someone responds to them, uh, within the week of getting them involved in whatever box they checked, if it's Bible studies or small groups or those kind of things. Okay. So do the, let's say a person comes for the first time, they fill out a response card, are they going to get an email saying, hey, thanks for coming to church? Are they going to get a text? Are they going to get a direct message? What's, what, what can yeah. they expect? So I, I, my preference is, is not to email people. Uh, a lot, I feel like it gets lost in a lot of the programs that you use to do like a, uh, like a MailChimp type program to send out a blast email can get pushed to spam pretty easily. Um, and so... Uh, if they only give us their email, which happens sometimes, then yes. But I usually try to have the family group leader email them directly, not a blast email, but a, hey, I'd like to, you know, you said you want to do community service and get involved in a small group. I'm the small group leader in your area. Would you come and connect? Here's the time. Here's the place. Um, phone calls or are, are, are texts are probably the most readily uh, responded to. And so I'm as we're training our family group leaders, that's what we're asking them to do is uh, to respond that way. I, I'll say also in Instagram, um, direct messaging is been highly effective. And so um, it's, if you don't know what direct messaging is, it's basically Instagram's version of texting. Um, and what we do to capture 
um, future visitors from our Instagram account is if anybody follows our account, we immediately send a message. This is not automated. This is one of our staff members doing this that says, hi there. Thanks for the follow. Uh, we'd love for you to come to an in-person service, Bible study or small group. Would you be interested in that? Uh, if they say yes, then we have another message saying, what town are you in? We have nine locations around the Boston area. And then we direct them uh, to uh, a uh, member of that congregation that can help them get connected to whatever thing they're interested in, a Bible study, a small group, or a church service. So we're, we are really heavy on trying to get interpersonal connections and people connecting with people, not just blast out emails to people um, saying, here's some more, again, not just an announcement, right, uh, of here's some events, but can I get a real person reaching out to you? Okay, so that's super helpful. Now, as a small church leader, I'm like, okay, this. how can I apply this? And, and I think we talked about this in our discussion prior to the, to the recording. It, it's kind of a catch-22 because yep. if you're a small church, you go, well, that's great because Boston's got 2,000 people and a huge budget and big staff. Right. And then at the same time, you know, large churches can feel like the the main minister may not be that engaged or, or knowledgeable about it, so it doesn't happen. So how how can a person who's in a smaller church situation take this and 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 run with it? Where would they start? Yeah, I mean, I I think probably in every one of our churches there are people that are more prone, even if they don't know social media yet, they are more of the variety that could learn it, could pick it up, could kind of get into it. Um, th this is obviously taken our world by storm for a reason. And so I think in every single church, there is somebody in, and honestly, this may be someone that's not doing great spiritually or, you know, trying to, uh, figure out uh, what they want to do in the future with their relationship with God. I mean, this could be a great way to pull people in, but I would find if it's not you, and in a lot of ways as the lead minister, it shouldn't be you. I mean, even as I'm leading the downtown region, I'm directing a lot of traffic and uh, directing a lot of teams, but I cannot be the main person that's driving all of these initiatives. I've got to have volunteers that are doing this. And in the same way, if you're a small church leader, even more, I mean, you are a jack of all trades, carrying the load of a lot of jobs simultaneously. So you've got to find somebody that you feel like, and, it, and honestly, it doesn't even matter their age. I know plenty. Uh, there was a sister up in the Northeast region that is over 70 years old, but is very with social media, understands how it works, uh, was a, an assistant in a tech company for many, many years. And so loves this stuff. So it doesn't matter what age they are, but find someone that's excited by this, excited by the potential of what this could be in your church and start to talk to them about having them learn what works. And I, I think that that's something that, um, that goes kind of unnoticed is you're going to have to research in your area why did that post get 40 likes and the other one got five? Was it the time that we posted? Was it the content of the post? Was it uh, what I put in the description or the hashtags that I added to it? All of these things matter, 
but you're going to have to find somebody that's excited about it. And if it's you, then amen, but let's get a team for you if you're the minister. And if it's not you, then find someone in your church that could start being this researcher of what's going to work in your area. And that's what I would say. I, I would say be, be uh, gracious on yourself. Spend about three months uh, researching, sending stuff out, posting things, uh, figuring out different times to post, different uh, rhythms, maybe twice a day sometimes, once a day, three times a week. What works for your audience? What works for your area of the world? And then as you start to get more proficient as a team, then you can start talking about, is it worth throwing 20 bucks at a sponsored ad? But I wouldn't just start throwing money at things, not feeling like you're knowing uh, your audience and what works. I would start doing research and get a team to help you research. Similar to what you did when you, you did the interior design experiment. Mm-hmm. Like Exactly. And, and we honestly, when we started this initiative with hiring Nick in September, I said to them, there's no bad ideas. We're going to try weird looks, different looks. We're going to try different videos, reels. Uh, we're going to try all kinds of stuff. And we're just going to run. Like we are, there, there's no wrong answer. January 1, there's a wrong answer. And we have a clear vision. <laughs> but until then, let's go nuts trying new stuff. And that's what we did. And we had meetings on a consistent basis to go, didn't work. Or, whoa, that worked really well. Let's just keep pressing that button over and over and over again because that was such a great video. Let's do something similar to that every single week. Um, and so we spent about four, five months dedicating time to just experimentation. Okay, so you're not a dedicated social media minister. No, not, how, not at all. How much time do you, can you guess that you're, you're putting into this aspect of your ministry? So I probably spend on a weekly basis about 20 hours. Uh, now, remember, I'm the comms director. So in me being the communication director, there are meetings and things that involves me being in that maybe for a local church leader that's doing social media wouldn't have to be involved in. Um, but I'm, I'm spending about 20, 25 hours. If you're taking my actual workload of just social media stuff, we're probably in the 10 to 15 hours a week range um, that I'm spending doing the work, creating and researching and experimenting uh, with some of the things that I want to try in the future. Okay. One fear that I have with this is how do you, how do you not get distracted? I mean, obviously your goal is to save souls, but I mean, the, the media you're working with, the tool that you're using is designed to absorb your attention and your time. Yes. So how do you not fall into the trap of getting totally stuck in the third soil? And how do you remain in the fourth soil spiritually? I mean, the purpose piece is like a giant piece. So when I say I'm spending 10 to 15 hours, I'm spending 10 to 15 hours with real people that I'm trying to connect dots to and make sure that there are, um, there are real people on the other end connecting with those visitors and, and those kind of things. And, um, maybe an hour or two is kind of in the, 
the sinkhole that is TikTok or Instagram trying to learn and research. But the majority of my time, and that's, that's what I would say is, what is your aim with this? If your aim is to have a cool, shiny looking Instagram, it's wrong. That's a wrong aim. <laughs> and you are going to suck a lot of time into that. And it's not going to be effective. It, it's There's a lot cooler, bigger budget churches out there that are going to destroy uh, anything that you put your, your hand to. If it's the aim is just to look cool. If the aim is I want to connect with real people, I want to have interactions with people, then there are strategies that you can do to get a return on talking to real individuals. One of these strategies would be called I call it guerrilla marketing. So you go to the churches in your area, you find the followers. This is a way to do it if you don't have money to pay for sponsored posts. You go to the followers that follow that church. Even better, you go to the people that like the pictures of the local church because they're the most engaged audience of that church. You go to the likes, you see all the people that are there. And you start sending messages to each one of those individuals. Hey, I noticed that you uh, are involved in uh, church in the area, or you like this church in the area. We'd love to have you come and visit our group, or we'd love to see uh, you to see what we're doing and how God's using us or whatever kind of intro or hook that you'd want, but you direct it towards again, individuals. That is a way better use of your time. If you're going to get involved and you're just getting your feet wet with social media it's evangelism, right? I mean, you're talking to an individual on the other side of their phone, connecting with somebody. So I would say if your focus is to get people to come out, study the Bible, change their lives for God, then this is a great strategy. You can go to local uh, pages that have, you know, in the area, have lots of followers, people that like the images of that area. Maybe they're not a part of a church, but they like things in the local area. Click on the likes, go through those, message them. You could do where you write it and use copy and paste that opening intro message right. to a bunch of people. But that's how you don't get distracted because you're interacting with individuals, right? You're not, you're not just trying to create something in a cool image, in a cool video. Okay. So you're, you're anchored to the purpose. The purpose keeps you focused yep. on that narrow focus and keeps you from, you know, I, I just imagine myself just getting lost in pug videos. I mean, just, you know, just, <laughs> I can just see myself like 45 minutes later, like, oh my gosh, I got to get back to work here. The YouTube biss, you know, the abyss <laughs> that is TikTok, right? I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, it, help me out here. How can a person, g give me some bullet points, Stuart, and in, I, def I definitely want to, how can a person develop an effective social media system? What, what would be the first three steps? Like where you, you probably talked about it already, but give me the step one, step two, step three to just getting started. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you, a majority of your listeners are going to have Instagram pages for their churches already. I mean, this has been so much a part of the fiber of the world that the majority do. If you do not currently have an Instagram page, and I would start with Instagram, and I can tell you why in a little bit, but uh, I, I would get an Instagram page. I would populate the Instagram page exclusively with images of what it's like to be at your service and interacting with the members of your church. So for example, 
I would go through the service and they call it B-roll in, in, in film, right? But of different things that people are doing, they're worshiping, they're singing, they're clapping, they're, they're having fun. You can put a, a song track under it so that no one has to hear if you feel embarrassed that your worship team is not up to snuff with other people <laughs> or, or whatever. And so you can put a song underneath it, but you show the experience of what it is, not just a still picture of we're all arm in arm together and we're the brothers and sisters of Christ, but like, what are you doing as a member of this church? I would start posting those kind of reels uh, or those kind of carousel picture feeds that would allow people to understand what are they going to get themselves into? Do not try to over uh, embellish what it is. If your production is not super high, then embrace that. That's okay. In, in actuality, Gen Z is looking for authenticity over production. So that's okay. But get images and videos out there that are of the experience, no one inviting anybody to come and join us. Just this is what it will be like if you came and worshiped with us. A consistent rhythm. Not just group group pictures, arm in arm. No, definitely not. Definitely not kind of just your arm in arm. Here are the 17 people in our campus ministry, and it's great to have each other here, right? <laughs> like th there needs to be that that's great and all for your your book for your church but it does nothing for somebody they don't know those 17 people and it doesn't tell them what they're going to experience and so you need to have an aim or a thought process if we're going to post right we're going to post what it's going to be like to worship with us and to be friends with us to hang out with us if the campus ministry is going out to eat afterwards take video of here's the crew and everybody's ah you know, having fun eating their burgers after D Devo. This is what it would be like to hang out with us because it, it intrigues people. They want to go do that on Friday night. Many people don't have that and are very lonely. And so, yeah, I'd love to reach out and connect. Then I would say anyone that follows you on your account, have a personal, a real person connection with them, inviting them to come to an in-person meeting of the body, small group, church service, Bible study, hangout, whatever it is. Um, that would be the, the third thing. So first, start an account. Second, make sure your posting is experiential. And so therefore, it's attractive to, I know what I'm going to get when I hang out with this group. Third, have a personal connection with everybody that follows you. And then implore this, um, this strategy of... Uh, you know, going and doing kind of this guerrilla marketing of going into pages in your area and looking at their follower base, as well as looking at those who like their images or comment on their images and reaching out individually, messaging them to say, we'd love to have you come to our service. Uh, whether that's other churches in the area or it's other things in the area, but keep it focused, not just on the niche of church or Jesus, Keep it focused on the niche of your geographical area. And so in doing those three things, I think that you will see, oh, wait, there are real people here that I can interact with. And it doesn't cost any money to do what I'm saying. It doesn't take a tremendous amount of time. Um, and you'll start getting results pretty fast. Okay. One challenge that I found is there are so many platforms. There's so many things to focus on. You got your website, you've got your social media, you've got Facebook, Instagram, you've got you know, Twitter, YouTube, I mean, tons of platforms. 
it can be so overwhelming that you get paralyzed by analysis, you know, paralysis of analysis. How do you avoid yep. that? How do you just, you know, get focused and where, where should you focus? So I, I think go where the people are. I think go where the people are. And again, if the aim is getting them into a seat in your church service and eventually getting them into the water of baptism, then we've got to be super hyper-focused on where we're looking for these people, right? So you have a website that is a means to an end, but it's not an outreach platform necessarily, right? So it's worldwide. That's the whole reason that, that we're talking about the World Wide Web, right? It's not uh, specific to your area. An Instagram with your name, so Tucson Church of Christ, that automatically dwindles down who's looking at that page pretty quick, right? It gets very, very focused. Then you start doing things like reaching out to individuals that follow uh, gardeners of Tucson or whatever. And then you really, that's a very narrow niche of people. Your website, again, should be the thing that helps drive the traffic to the location or drive people to your church service. So what I would say is if you have a website, you're embarrassed by your website and you think your website's trash <laughs> um, and you don't, you like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to make it better. What I would do is I would throw into an Instagram uh, description, a link to a link tree. If you look up link tree on Google, you'll find it right away. And what that is, is exactly what it sounds. It's a link tree. It's, it, it gives just easy buttons where it's very easy What's that? What's that Geico commercial? It's so easy a caveman can do it, right? <laughs> you can just throw in a link and uh, it creates a button on a very simple website. This is something that celebrities use. This is not something that's like low quality if that's what you have as your face out to everybody, but it's like very specific. This link is to a connect card saying, I wanna get involved in small group. This link is to say, I wanna study the Bible. This link is for that Google form to say where we have our service locations. You know what I mean? Like you can get very specific and that's how I would use a website is I wouldn't spend a whole lot of money right now because it's not exactly where the people are. And if you're a small church, it's not worth your time to make it new and shiny and better where the people are, are on TikTok and Instagram. I've talked a lot about Instagram because TikTok, I, I have found that even though there's a lot of people there, it's actually a much wider base of people that are looking and it's a little bit harder to get very focused on uh, geolocations of where the people are that are watching your videos unless you're paying for it. And so that's why I'm emphasizing Instagram, but both platforms are reaching a large group of people and on there, put a little description uh, link to your link tree, again, to get people to these in-person services. That's so don't focus on all these other things, right? Um, you know, I don't think it's worth your time. But the last thing I'll say is, um, if you are a, uh, a pop up church is what we call them, but you know, a, a church that's constantly setting up and breaking down, and you meet at a school or whatever, something that we have found a lot of visitors have come out from is getting on Google, my business, um, being a link or a location on Google Maps. So if you type in Tucson Church, are they able to find Tucson Church of Christ very easily? Or do they have to just have the address? Um, and so 
You could say, well, I don't own the building that we meet in. We don't either for the majority of them. And it takes a little bit of doing. It takes a, a, you know, a, a couple of rounds even at times of trying to get it to happen. But Google is willing to help work with you and make it happen. But that's another, that's another kind of set it and forget it. It's not something that you're actively pursuing people, but at least it's, it's on there for people to see and have visibility. Exactly. I mean, we had someone come, uh, my campus minister, Kevin Liu, put together a great Google Maps, um, you know, and kind of worked with people to give reviews. And people came to the Easter service from Google Maps, which was really encouraging. Oh, so encouraging. I mean, it was just awesome. Thank you so much for your time. How you got to share. I mean, I appreciate you sharing this. How can people learn more from what you're doing? How, how, how can people, you know, maybe there's questions that weren't asked that people like, man, I wish you would have asked this. How can they find out more? Yeah. I, I, so I, I think what we are working on right now and trying to make happen, um, not, I think I know we're working on it, but I don't know when it's going to be released. We're, we're looking at the end of the summer, uh, putting out a webinar for anybody that would like to hear what we're doing in more specificity, as well as be able to get some more hands-on help and connection through Zoom calls and those kind of things. So be looking on uh, the Disciples Facebook group, as well as we'll be sending out announcements about this through social media on our Boston Church of Christ Instagram page. Um, but I would say uh, reach out to us. We, uh, we'd love to connect with you. Obviously, our aim is to, uh, to reach the world for Christ. And so um, we, we are passionate about this, excited about it. But be looking out. There's more information that's to come about a webinar uh, more in the August, September time that we'll be doing. That you, we, It'll be free, and you can hop on, and you can see what we're doing. Thank you so much, Stuart. One final question. What advice would you give to a person who wants to make this life count? You know, I, I was thinking about this question uh, a little bit. The passage that came to mind for me was Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Um, and it says, but if I say, this is Jeremiah the prophet speaking, if I say I will not mention his word or speak anymore in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. And, you know, as I think about my life and as I think about my relationship with God, this is what I feel in a tremendous way. And truly, I think every one of us has a longing to feel this fire shut up in our bones that mm. we're weary of holding in. Indeed, we can't. We must share it, talk about it, release it. Uh, we want to have that kind of level of passion mm. in our lives where we get up every single morning so excited to continue on the work that we're doing. And I've found that the word of God being this fire and me being so intimately connected to God's word and that being the respite for my soul when I need it, that being the gasoline to be poured on the fire when I, I feel like it's dimming and going out, but it can be all of those things. I think that in our, in my generation, we fell in love with the church community at times more than we fell in love with God's word in our relationship mm. with God. Mm. And so I, I, as I look at what does it mean to make my life count, I, I, I get back to the beginning of I've got to have this passion, this fire in my walk with God that 
will not go out, will not be extinguished. And then I'm going to have an amazing impact in all the things I put my hand to. Uh, but it's going to be it's going to come from, it's going to be rooted in this fire, this passion. So I would just ask your listeners, you know, are you feeling passionate? Are you feeling excited about what you're doing? I have never been happier in my life. And I know I shared in 2020 when I moved here, I was beat up uh, from life circumstances and things that were going on. And I have been so refreshed, but it's not just been through friendships. It's definitely not been just through therapy. Although all those things, those are great. It's been through God's word mm. and the the reigniting factor of getting into God's word, allowing that to inspire me, and then unleashing it on wow. the world and it being something that I just can't contain. To me, as I look at that, that is what makes my life count, is that I have a fire that is shut up in my bones and I'm so weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot hold it in. I've got to talk about what God's doing, whether it's social media and how God's spreading the word through that or through evangelism or through my children and what they're learning in God's word and the convictions that are deepening in their hearts. I am going to have a great impact because God's word rests in my heart. Wow. So that as I look at what it means to have a great impact, it's a fire in my soul mm. and God allowing me to express that in all these different areas of my life. Stuart, thank you so much. That's awesome. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Respect what you're doing. It's so thrilling. And all the best to you in Boston. I look forward to hearing more and more good news and look forward to imitating what you're doing there in your your online outreach. I love you and Pam very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the program. Here's how you can help support. First of all, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about the program. Secondly, read and review one of my books either How to Plant and Grow a Church or Courage, How to Make This Life Count. You can find them on Amazon.com or IPI Books. Thirdly, support the, tr- the program financially by going to the TucsonChurchOfChrist.org website and hit the Donate tab. Select the General Fund, and your tax-deductible gift will help me multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.